Uncommon Sense Advice on your work life, your personal life, and God knows what else. Welcome to How to Do Life with Dr. Marty Nemco. Every child is a gift and a challenge, and a so-called gifted child is a special kind of a gift and a special kind of challenge. After all, you know, the gifted kid has got by almost by definition, the greatest potential to contribute to society, has more options career-wise. It's gonna be, so you feel a greater sense of responsibility, perhaps, unless you're one of those foolish parents who think that uh, a gifted kid's gonna do fine on his own. Yeah, less likely to fall into the total, total pit of failure, but um, without some reasonable guidance is most likely to have a huge deficit in terms of what they could have been if you had been reasonable and I mean reasonably being pretty smart and that's what I'm going to talk about here on the show um, if you were doing a decent job a good job of parenting versus not um, but let's start first with definitions what does it mean to be gifted or, you know, these, in these egalitarian times, um, even bright is seen as obsessive, is seen as uh, excessive, elitist, separatist, divisive, all those words that uh, the left likes to use to uh, denigrate merit um, and reduce things to discussions of race, gender, class, sexual orientation, orientation uh, income inequality, whatever, anything other than to look at merit, which is makes me sick as in any case what does it mean to be a gifted or even a bright child it means being at least above average in the ability not just to learn and memorize that's usually the precursor the prerequisite but not the sine qua non of the gifted kid but the ability to reason to abstract to take those bits of knowledge and put them together and analyze them and synthesize synthesize them in in clever ways and come up with good questions, good ideas, good projects. And that usually, well, notwithstanding the myth that, you know, there are these verbal geniuses and mathematical geniuses and artistic geniuses, there's a remarkable amount of actual intercorrelation when you, you know, just don't rely on the subjective crap of the multiple intelligences, which has been utterly not supported by empirical data of what really counts are the factor analyses, how intercorrelated are these so-called different intelligences. There really is, while it's not a perfect correlation, there is this one unitary intelligence called G. It's a, something, it's a statistical thing, but it ends up being inordinately, it's the most single most predictive factor in terms of one's ability to be productive in the intellectual sphere, not in terms of manual labor or memorization, but in terms of professional level work, doing well in school, etc. In any case, those tend to be moderately to highly intercorrelated across the visual and performance space. Uh, while we all know there are some dumb people who are excellent musicians and athletes, but in general, uh, this 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 uh, the key thing in intelligence in being bright and gifted, especially, which is defined by high scores in many ways on. Uh, SAT scores, school and achievement tests, IQ scores, they intercorrelate very highly. IQ has gotten a bad rap unfairly, really, 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 in terms of actual predictive validity for people of all races, but 
it's this is all part of the wild egalitarian press so that ideology trumps solid data in any case so we're, we're we've even changed the name of the SAT which used to be a standardized aptitude test to mean a stand call it the standardized achievement test because achievement implies less genetically and uh, uh, endowed abilities less less preordained abilities from genetics and early environment in any case it's the above average ability to make connections logical to learn quickly and use those to to analyze to the size and ultimately to create and solve problems in other words create meaning identify problems solve problems so even in the art domain the person who is brilliant at copying is no genius that's a workman that's workmanlike work the genius is somebody who can take into account all kinds of factors and things and aesthetics and rationality and, and design ideas and everything and incorporate it into a unique beautiful whole that's the genius or the or the gifted or whatever you want to call it person so now let's turn to you as the parent it's probably not kids watching this or listening to it if you're listening to it on my podcast well there is variation across all kids generally kids who are above average in intelligence are able to use that to in general make good choices and of course they're going to make mistakes they're going to fall out of a tree and break their arm they're going to watch too much video game because they're addicted to the particular game but net net the benefits of allowing a kid to pick what he or she's going to want to do in his or her discretionary time including leaving plenty of unstructured time helicopter parents are nuts in trying to overschedule their kid it's worth the errors that the kid is going to make by allowing that kid the self-efficacy of making that freedom of choice he or she's going to choose often more wisely than we could choose for them and can survive the mistakes but can't survive being micromanaged or can't survive as well I remember the most vivid example was a kid who was you know quite genius quite brilliant not genius is too strong she was you know 140 IQ kid quite bright and academically motivated and yet in some of her discretionary time for quite a while she would after her long day of school would sit and knit while watching cartoons now that's something the parent wouldn't have chosen for her certainly wouldn't have uh, scheduled that in into the for time to be spent doing that but that was what that kid needed and wanted the kid is a person he's not just a machine it's happened with a girl um she has some right to discretion right to some simple pleasure deciding you know it's, I need a I need some rejuvenation some restoration from from all that thinking I'm not saying I'm a genius but I do know that I for example will take time to clean the house as a mindless concrete activity that is re restorative where I wouldn't allow my kid more than advisory input would be in choosing a school or choosing a class in today's egalitarian era ability group classes and even most ability you know schools for the gifted have been eliminated in favor of egalitarian mixed ability classes even though bright kids that stultified so so much of the time and are put into indentured servitude being tutors to the slow denying, denying them the right of, of their appropriate level of education 
But that's the reality of today's world and the world that we will, it'll, it is ever acceleratively redistributive, especially as we're going to see the new administration going to do ever more to take from those who are the brightest, greatest contributors to give to those who are the least, you know, not just in our schools, but in, our, in who we tax and how much we tax. It's the thing that makes me saddest in this world. In any case, there's still some discretion a parent has in choosing a school or choosing a class. Some schools do have a higher proportion of gifted kids or bright kids, so the schools are forced to be more accommodating to their needs rather than just serving the bottom, which has been so often the case in so many public schools now, even in middle-class schools. Um, they just focus on the bottom, special ed, other low achievers. But there are certain schools and certain teachers within schools who do well, or at least reasonably, by bright and gifted kids. I wouldn't let my kid have control over choosing the school or the class, because the kid, even is very gifted, very often is going to choose to want to be with his or her friends, even if it means being bored in class. But that's too big a price to pay. Six days a week, five days a week, 180 school days, often for years, sitting bored and not living up to one's potential. Believe me, I'm not talking about the silly academic rigor of keeping pushing harder and harder, deeper and deeper, but more thoughtful, more challenging, more intellectually interesting work um, is a, a child's right, a bright child's right, just as a slow child has the right to have their instruction be on their level. So that's where I'd kind of restrict, I would certainly discuss the issue with my child but I would retain final say. And that's a critical thing, I think, as a good parent. An underutilized option, especially in today's egalitarian era, for the quite bright child is grade skipping. The conventional wisdom across the, among the egalitarians is, oh, but the social life's going to suffer. Whatever decrements exist can, are more than countered by the fact that the kid is getting stimulated at his or her appropriate level, all day, every day, or much of the day. It doesn't have to be all constantly, of course. We're all bored sometimes. The keys to mitigating any negatives are indeed to find a teacher one, two, three grades even ahead who's appropriate in terms of your child's academic level, who's eager to have your child, and then have that teacher pair your child with a, uh, a nice, bright, popular kid who can then kind of help your child um, meld into the classroom, teach the kid the ropes. You know, for, for bright kids, especially active kids, school is a nightmare. Today's school is a nightmare. And they're not even aware of it because kids don't have a, a, a comparison. They just think that's what school is. And so when you just hear him say, oh, I hate school, you just think, ah, oh, it's just the same old stuff, but it's worse today, much worse for the bright kid. Because so much of the attention in public schools is based on the lower achievers. Lowering the achievement gap, it's of course the fastest way to reduce everybody to the lowest common denominator is by teaching to the bottom. But that's what we do. We set up this common core that sounds hard, but then if you go into the classrooms and you see what's really going on, there's tremendous focus on, on low achieving kids. Because it's hard for a teacher to, to see the kid painlessly go slowly and slowly and not, not learn. And the teacher has been guilt-tripped into saying we are, you know, we are, it's our fault that we are not 
prioritize in closing the achievement gap. So it turns to you as the parent to get your kid into those increasingly uncommon classes where a bright kid can get his or her needs met reasonably. Um, I want to talk a little bit about after-school activities that build on strengths. Many, and this is the cliche, but many middle-class parents of bright kids feel this obligation to give their kids music lessons. Now, this is something that I do know a lot about, and it pains me to see kids, bright and not bright, be forced to do this incredibly laborious, repetitive process of learning what these squiggles mean and translating that into what you do on your fingers. It is a useless exercise. It's useless because it doesn't have transferability to overall thinking skills, and it does not turn somebody into being a good pianist or a good whatever. Because the real goal of 99.99999% of people who take music lessons would be to be able to sit down, say, at the piano, and just easily toss off some tunes at a party or whatever. Well, that's less likely, less likely to happen because of the lessons. Because the lessons train your eye translate what's in the, on those squiggles of paper into your fingers. Your ear gets atrophied. It's short-changed in the process. So if I, and I'm a professional pianist, you can Google me in the word piano, you'll see what I mean. And I learn, I can't read music, but I sure can play by ear because I learned to develop my ear by simply plunking out Mary Had a Little Lamb and Chopsticks, making wrong note after wrong note after right note, getting feedback each time until I learned what sounded good. And I was able to play ever more complexly, ever more complexly, ever more complexly. And that enables me to sit down at the piano and play whatever I want effortlessly, which I suppose is not a bad thing for me to do. So I'm going to play just a minute of something because um, people, I'm just going to play what people, the most iconic song, I'll play a little over the rainbow. Um, there you go. Okay, I'll just play a little. Never seen the music. If I played it 20 times, I'd play it differently. I can play it in any key. talk about college choices, options other than college for the gifted and bright kid, career issues, and then a little ode to parents of gifted kids. Stay with me. You're listening to How to Do Life with career and personal coach, Dr. Marty Nemco. If you'd like to work with him, email him a description of your situation, mnemco at comcast.net. That's M-N-E-M-K-O at comcast.net. Marty is pleased if you choose to subscribe to this podcast.
If you're not listening to this on Simplecast, just go to how-to-life.simplecast and click on listen and subscribe. Thank you for staying with me. So uh, let's talk a little bit about college. It's been an article of faith forever that almost all increasing number of kids, even no matter how quite deeply we dig down into the high school barrel, should be going to college. Uh, it's certainly been an article of faith for bright kids and gifted kids. But increasingly there's been a chink in that everyone to college armor, as we're seeing more and more data that say that kids don't necessarily grow, certainly don't necessarily find rewarding employment for all that money and all that time spent going to college. Um, so if I had a, a bright or gifted kid, now sure, if my kid really loved school, was not at all burned out of, after 12 years of sitting in the classroom, and was eager to go to college because of the, for the right reasons. So if my child was really eager to go to college, not just to hang out, get away from me, but was, was really eager for more academic learning as well as the extracurriculars and the full college experience, uh, I would uh, support that. But before accepting the nor that, that standard route, I would have a full discussion with my child about a far fuller range of post-high school options. Everything from deferring from a year so they could have some real-world experience either starting their own business or a nonprofit or working at the elbow of an ethical craftsman or an ethical entrepreneur uh, to, uh, to be honest, if I had a gifted kid, I probably wouldn't encourage the military because it's so conformist it's that it kills the spirit of a gifted kid who's all about creative ideas and thinking and not rule following, uh, let alone absurdly demanding physical fitness standards. That's not, not to mention the risk of getting the kid his head blown off that's, I would not encourage my kid to go to the military. So I think I'm necessarily anti-war. I'm, I'm in favor of wars as the, while fully aware of the horrible costs of war, the potential benefits, and I would, again, like with everything else with my gifted kid or with anybody else, try to uh, inject a measure of nuance into every decision. But in any case, uh, we would explore the full range of options, whether it be a one-year, as I said, a hiatus, a year in between, when I call, a, what do they call it, a timeout year, a bridge year, or even just permanently deciding that I'm going to my, that my child says, you know, I'm a self-starter and I've got enough moxie, I'm going to do my learning on my own, I'm going to go find a job or start a business and I'll do individual reading or individual taking of courses on my own to supplement on a just-in-time basis that which I need to know for my, for my job. Uh, as absurd as it sounds, and it probably would be risky, but I think I was meant to be a genetics researcher. But I hated school. It was so laborious, so long, so much irrelevant stuff, so expensive, that I probably would take the risk, I know this was going to destroy whatever credibility I might have, I would have dropped out of high school, probably after the eighth or after the ninth grade, something like that, and then talked my way into a job washing bottles in some research lab and watching and asking questions and learning and writing and reading and taking individual courses and try to become an independent scholar, what they call an autodidact. If it failed, then I would probably then say, oh, well, I tried. I'd probably go to college and major in molecular biology or genetics. 
but see how, if I, how far I could get with as little education. I know that the standard route, 90, 95% of people go the traditional route, bachelor's, PhD, etc. But I would try to go the independent route. Um, and I, I, that's why I think it's really wise to talk to your kid about the full range of options. You know, one of the nice things about it, being a gifted kid is you've got degrees of freedom. You're able to do more independently than the average kid. The average kid needs the structure of school, the guidance, the school of the, of the not just the school of hours and the assignments, but the professor structuring the knowledge for you. Uh, they're not much at self-learning. Um, but for, if we're talking here about gifted kids, so if I were talking to my gifted kid about post-high school opportunities, options, I would uh, certainly include the full range. And uh, at that age, probably, uh, while certainly exert uh, my thoughts onto the situation, I probably would not force my kid to, you know, to any one of those options. Now I think I want to end by talking about, or move toward the end by talking about career. And just one major aspect, um, status and materialism and yet and creative opportunity and freedoms at the same time. And the example I like to give is there are many lawyers who are successful, even enjoy the fight, enjoy the case. Sometimes if you're lucky enough to have discretion, be on the side of the good guys. And yet quietly, like ex-lawyers Scott Turow and Scott Grisham, um, deciding to, to scrap it, the prestige. They didn't know they were going to be successful as writers right away, I'm guessing. Very few do. Um, the prestige and the money of being a lawyer and instead be a writer. There is no magical answer to this question. I simply would want to talk with my gifted kid about the trade-offs. And because the kid is gifted, he's going to have more, or she, of course, is going to have more options in the marketplace. You could always, you know, you can say, okay, do you want to try to find, you know, go for a full-time creative career if that's your thing, being creative? If you want to, you're a risk-oriented person, you want to try entrepreneurship, or you want to have a stable day job, be the, the standard lawyer or doctor or uh, researcher, and then as an avocation, play your music, do, do whatever. Um, or do you want to use the Bill Gates model, which is to make money where money is to be made, for example, in the... Uh, software business and then uh, use your money to do non-profity things. I remember a doctor who, uh, very brilliant guy, but you know, even being a doctor ends up being fairly mechanical all the time. You're most of the same, you're doing the same things all the time. This guy was a hand surgeon and yet he totally got into all these wonderful side hobby things, writing songs on the guitar, playing the guitar, become an expert at uh, voice recognition software. Um, and that comprised the interesting life. So that's something, you know, that's something I certainly would discuss the full range of options with my, my all many kid, but especially my gifted kid, because they have more options than some other kid who might need a very traditional structured path. And I want to end this by talking about um, the role of that parent. First, I guess I want to say it's not a matter of quant quantity time. In fact, the helicopter parent 
who feels they have this treasure of a gifted kid, they need to micromanage every little aspect of his life and schedule everything and help with his homework all the time or whatever. Um, I believe that net that does a disservice for the kid. It denies them a sense of self-efficacy. It also um, denies you your right to your own life. So often parents choose to devote to themselves to their kid ostensibly in the name of the child in the benefit of the benefit of the child but it's really to fill the emptiness in their own life and the wise parent of a gifted kid or any kid recognizes that parenting is only one of your roles and you don't want to play it to excess or or you know to be a negligent parent on the other hand um, because of your own needs quality time is what matters with a gifted kid, conversations, nuance, erring toward allowing your kid more freedom is going to be, in general, every kid's a little different, is going to be best for the kid and best for allowing you to flower, career-wise, personally, whatever. You know, when you see the range of kids that come into this world, from those with severe physical disabilities, mental disabilities, the vast middle, and then the intellectually gifted. Oh my God, I think back to, uh, I got was honored to be invited to spend a day talking to kids at uh, the Davidson Academy, which is the nation's only school for the profoundly gifted, where your minimum IQ needed to get in is 145, that's at the 99.5 percentile or something. And that was one of the most exciting days of my life because to spend time around those kids I spend a lot of times around really smart adults but to see those kids in those at that formative time in their life and interact with them substantively and trying to ask nuanced questions and hear their nuanced questions and have a respectful nuanced discussion across the map of all kinds of issues that's a privilege so if you're fortunate enough to either be the parent of such a child or to otherwise interact with such a child. Treat it as one of life's great treasures, because it is. In any event, this is Marty Nemco reminding you that we find comfort among those who agree with us, growth among those who don't. You've been listening to How to Do Life with Dr. Marty Nemco. For comments on the show or to consult with Dr. Marty Nemco, his email address is M-N-E-M-K-O at comcast.net post-production of how to do life by terry rouse music by blue dot session thanks for listening